What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about one of the best directors of his generation and arguably of all time, Paul Thomas Anderson, a.k.a. PTA. I look at Paul Thomas Anderson's first three movies as one era of PTA movies. In these movies, you see a lot of the same faces, beginning with his debut film, 1996's Hard Eight, starring Philip Baker Hall as Sidney, an old-time gambler who befriends John, who is down on his luck played by John C. Riley. The rest of the cast includes Gwyneth Paltrow, Samuel L. Jackson, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Personally, it's my least favorite of his movies, but it shows you what Anderson is capable of, and what I find interesting about the film is that the two leads at this point were known most for their supporting roles, Hall in Midnight Run and Say Anything, and Riley in Casualty of Wars and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Anderson has a history of picking the right people and giving them leading roles, and his first movie is a perfect example of that. It was his sophomore film, Boogie Nights, where Paul Thomas Anderson became PTA, a revered filmmaker, where a then-young Mark Wahlberg plays aspiring porn star Dirk Diggler alongside Julianne Moore, Burr Reynolds, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Philip Baker Hall, William H. Macy, and Heather Graham. That's seven Oscar nominees and two eventual winners. You could say it's the best ensemble of actors ever assembled. There are moments in a great filmmaker's career where they become a tone and genre themselves, and that's what happened on Boogie Nights, especially a notable scene with William H. Macy and the sequence involving Alfred Molina. There has never been anything like that in movies before. That's where Anderson became one of a kind. You don't care what genre of movies he makes, you just care that he's the one that made it for Boogie Nights, Anderson became a first-time Oscar nominee for its screenplay, along with Burt Reynolds and Julianne Moore getting their first-ever Oscar nominations. It's been well-documented that Anderson and Burt Reynolds did not always get along. Here's what PTA told Bill Simmons on his BS podcast, quote, I think that when Burt and I kind of got into it, it may have been the day before or the day after, but it was really a tense free days on the set of Boogie Nights. The other 57 days were really fun and a lot of laughs, but there were three tense days there in the middle where Mark was fighting with Bert or in the film. Looking back, it was really in the nasty part of the movie too, when really everything is going wrong. Anderson is far from the only young filmmaker to have a tense relationship with an established movie star. Another example of this is when Wes Anderson worked with Gene Hackman on the Royal Tannenbaums. And what I find interesting about both situations for Reynolds and Hackman, those movies ended up being two of their best works, and it didn't seem like at the time that those legends thought that it would end up that way, that those films would become as beloved as they are today. Here's what Burt Reynolds told GQ about his relationship with Anderson on Boogie Nights, quote, Personality-wise, we didn't fit. Wasn't crazy about being directed by a guy who's younger than some sandwiches I've had. Every shot we did, it was like the first time that shot had ever been done. I remember the first shot we did in Boogie Nights where I drive the car to Grauman's Theater. After, he said, isn't that amazing? And I named five pictures that had that same kind of shot. So clearly, Burt Reynolds thought that Paul Thomas Anderson was a bit of a movie know-it-all. But because of the popularity of Boogie Nights, these two are going to be connected 
waited till the end of time. That's what's insane about it. That's why so many people are interested in the relationship between Burt Reynolds and Paul Thomas Anderson because Boogie Nights has become a classic. Anderson's third film is a test of his fans. Some view it as his magnum opus. Other view it as too self-indulgent and too in-your-face. I'm, of course, talking about 1999's Magnolia, which has another stacked cast and has Anderson working with the biggest movie star in the world, Tom Cruise, who is playing T.J. Mackey, a motivational speaker. For the performance, Cruise was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and before and since, he has never given such a daring performance. Say what you will about Raining Frogs, but this is one of the best movies about fathers you'll ever see. Now looking back at Magnolia, it was kind of an end of an era for Paul Thomas Anderson. It was the last time he worked with a lot of his major collaborators. It was the last time John C. Riley played a major role in a PTA movie. It was the last time Philip Baker Hall played a major role in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And it was the last time Julianne Moore played a major role in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I mean, there's a world where Paul Thomas Anderson becomes more like Wes Anderson and just routinely uses the same actors over and over again and it looked like that was going to happen because Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia have a lot of the same actors but overall that didn't end up becoming the case and really those first three films like I said earlier feel like an entire era of his movies and after those three films he takes his career in a completely different direction and I do believe there are fans of his out there that miss his earlier work. They believe Boogie Nights and Magnolia was the height of his powers. I believe there are people out there that want to see John C. Riley in every single Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Julianne Moore also. I also think there are people that wanted to see him work with Tom Cruise more, Mark Wahlberg more. But the great filmmakers evolve and change, and boy did Paul Thomas Anderson change. So what does my guy PTA do after making a three-hour drama? He makes a 95-minute romantic comedy with Adam Sandler, of all people, Punch Drunk Love, which was the first glimmer of Sandler being more than just a funny man. Anderson had become a fan of the comedian, especially the film Big Daddy, telling the LA Times, quote, I love Big Daddy. Big Daddy had sensitive Sandler, but there's a scene in it where he's screaming at his father over the telephone that I used to rewind over and over again. That's when I really thought, I have to find this person. I have to work with this person. Anderson was not only able to get Sandler to fit into one of his movies, he was also able to tap into Sandler's signature anger. He, in the film, he's paired with Emily Watson, who's also brilliant in the film. That's something I love about Anderson, his desire to work with major movie stars. This guy wanted to work with Burt Reynolds. He wanted to resurrect his career. Then he wanted to work with Tom Cruise, the biggest movie star of the time. Then he sees that Adam Sandler is becoming one of the biggest movie stars of the time, and he doesn't care that he's a comedic actor. He wants to work with major stars. And I feel like sometimes the big directors don't appreciate movie stardom enough. Paul Thomas Anderson is clearly someone who wants to work with massive stars and bring you what these stars do best. And Punch Drunk Love is a perfect example of Adam Sandler doing what Adam Sandler does best in an elevated way because it's in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And it's because of this movie that we've gotten these other great dramatic performances from Sandler and the Meyerwitz stories in Funny People, 
people in Uncut Gems and Hustle. It's all because of Punch Drunk Love that we get a more serious side of Adam Sandler. Anderson then went from working with Sandler to the modern face of method acting himself, Daniel Day-Lewis, in the Western epic There Will Be Blood, where Lewis plays Daniel Plainview, an oil salesman. For many, this is Anderson's best movie. In the film's best moments are the scenes between Lewis and Paul Dano, who plays Eli Sunday, a preacher who is also a bit of a salesman. The final moments between Eli and Daniel is wild. In any other year in movies, this would have clearly won Best Picture at the Oscars, but it went up against No Country for Old Men. Daniel Day-Lewis did, however, win Best Actor that year. Like, when you talk about There Will Be Blood, there is no genre to this movie. It's not a full-on drama. It's not a full-on comedy, but there are hilarious moments in There Will Be Blood. It is so intense that it's so funny as well. And I do find it interesting that Boogie Nights and Magnolia were these massive ensembles, and then he makes two movies where he focuses on one actor, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love, and then Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Like, he becomes fixated on telling a character arc. That's what he did in There Will Be Blood. The movie rests on the performance of Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, Paul Dano is in the movie and he's brilliant in the movie, but There Will Be Blood is all about Daniel Plainview. If that performance doesn't work, that movie doesn't work. And it does work because he got arguably the greatest actor of all time to play the character. In the future, Paul Thomas Anderson will most likely end up winning an Oscar, but when he does, there will be so many people who will say it should have been for There Will Be Blood. Anderson's next two films would end up being his most divisive. First is The Master, a movie that most believe is about Scientology, starring Joaquin Phoenix as Freddie Quill and Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lancaster Dodd and Amy Adams. And this is a movie that many struggle with, asking themselves, what is it about? And I, for one, don't have all the answers, but absolutely love the movie. It pairs two of the greatest actors of our time, and sadly, it ended up being the last PTA movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's my favorite of his performances in Anderson's films. Second would be his role in Magnolia, where he plays Jason Robard's nurse. People look at The Master as a movie about a cult. I view it as a movie about two guys who see themselves in each other. And we all know how brilliant Joaquin Phoenix is. He won the Oscar for Joker, but he really probably should have won it for The Master. I mean, people forget that when Joaquin Phoenix made this movie, it was during that time period where he had retired from acting in a mockumentary on David Letterman. He was getting hazed by people. People were sick and tired of Joaquin Phoenix. This revitalized his career and made him the actor that he is today. I think The Master is one of the most important movies of Joaquin Phoenix's career. It's the best transformation of his career. What he does with his body in this movie is unreal and unseemly. And people's frustrations with this movie is that it's a movie about the ideas more so than it's about the plot. And if you don't like the ideas the movie is selling, you're not going to care for the movie. 
I absolutely love The Master. It's also Anderson's best looking movie. Like the scenes on the beach with Joaquin Phoenix being a madman are shot beautifully. Anderson next reteamed with Phoenix on the stoner mystery film Inherent Vice, a movie that many have a hard time following, and I'll admit it's not an easy watch, but in there is brilliant performances from Phoenix playing Doc, a private eye who is stoned all the time, Josh Brolin as Bigfoot, a cop who works with Doc, and Katherine Watterson in one of her first big roles. Reese Witherspoon is also in this movie, Owen Wilson is also in this movie, Benicio Del Toro is also in this movie. I think it's one of Anderson's most watchable films. It's an enjoyable watch. But for me, it's not up there with his other films that I deem as masterpieces. It's not up there with The Master. It's not up there with Boogie Nights. It's not up there with Magnolia. But I think that's the issue a filmmaker like Paul Thomas Anderson has is that all of his movies are going to be compared to his other great work. And Inherent Vice is a very good movie and it would be deemed even better than it is if it wasn't made by Paul Thomas Anderson. Anderson's most quaint movie is Phantom Thread, his second movie with Daniel Day-Lewis as his leading man. It has an incredible breakout performance from Vicky Kripes. Day-Lewis plays Reynolds Woodcock, an obsessive dressmaker. It doesn't have the same high manic energy as his other movies, but it's effective in its own way. I would compare it to when Scorsese made Age of Innocence, which also starred Daniel Day-Lewis. It was a period piece different than his signature movies, but it's great in its own way, and that's how I feel about Phantom Thread. After a private screening of the movie in London, here's what Daniel Day-Lewis had to say about working with PTA. Quote, there's nothing mad you can do that he won't encourage you to be madder. I love that. You are always so close to the line of chaos, which you have to be for it to be alive. There's so much misunderstanding about preparation. You prepare for a long time, of course, if you are lucky, but the only reason you prepare is that you don't have a clue what you're doing when you start and to have the confidence not to have a clue what's going to happen. I think Paul loves the element of risk. Of course, the only real risk is that you're going to make a huge bleeping fool of yourself and you do that every day anyway but it does feel like you're in the presence of danger. During the movie's release, Daniel Day-Lewis announced that he was retiring from acting. Do I believe that Daniel Day-Lewis is never going to act in a movie again? Absolutely not. In fact, I believe he's going to work with Paul Thomas Anderson again someday. This is a guy who does this all the time. He goes away from years and years, and then all of a sudden he gives a breakout performance in a movie like Lincoln or a movie like There Will Be Blood. I believe there will be more great Daniel Day-Lewis performances in the future. Anderson's last movie, Licorice Pizza, feels like a return to form in a way. It's reminiscent of Anderson's earlier films. It takes place in San Fernando Valley, the setting of both Boogie Nights and Magnolia. I also see it as in conversation with Punch Drunk Love and Phantom Thread, because all three of those movies are about relationships. Licorice Pizza stars Cooper Hoffman, the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, arguably Anderson's best collaborator, and musician Alana Heim. And they are great. It's unreal that it was their first movie. One of the most memorable parts of the movie is Bradley Cooper as notorious film producer John Peters. Only Anderson can get massive stars like Cooper and Tom Cruise to take on supporting roles. Many have called it a hangout movie. I mean, it's kind of like Boogie Nights in that way where you just want to spend time with the people
people on screen. You don't care if the plot is moving forward. You want to be with Cooper Hoffman for the next two hours and have a good time. And it's not as serious tonally as Anderson's other movies like Phantom Thread or The Master. But then he gives you something like that Bradley Cooper scene in the car. I mean, that's what Anderson used to do. His movies didn't used to all be that kind of there will be blood energy. It just used to come in from time to time, like the Alfred Molina scene in Boogie Nights, or the Cooper scene in Licorice Pizza, or the Tom Cruise scene in Magnolia. That manic energy only used to be a piece of his movies. It felt like that energy became his entire movies later on. Like, that's what the master is to me. It's all kind of that kind of energy. Philip Seymour Hoffman is giving off that kind of manic energy the entire film. Same with Joaquin Phoenix. Same with Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood. Licorice Pizza is a return to subtlety for Anderson in a way. With a mix of that chaos that everyone loves. So after going through his entire filmography, what do I like most about Anderson is how deep his movies are while still being entertaining. He's also, again, one of these directors who knows how integral movie stars are, and almost no one gets better performances than Paul Thomas Anderson. Even minor performances in his movies are amazing. Like, I'm thinking about Philip Seymour Hoffman's roles in Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. He's not in those movies a lot, but man, is he making a real impact in them. One of the many reasons I felt the need to podcast about Anderson is not only because I wanted to revisit his uber-impressive filmography, but also because for the first time ever, he's working with Leonardo DiCaprio in a new movie, who turned down the role of Dirk Diggler in Boogie Nights. Yes, that would have been a good movie, but Mark Wahlberg crushed the role. I'm pumped to finally see Leo work with PTA. He's one of those filmmakers you want to see work with your favorite actors. Here's some others I would love to see work with PTA. Tom Hanks. We need to get Tom Hanks in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He's now worked with Wes Anderson. He's worked with the Coen brothers. He's worked with Steven Spielberg. He's worked with many of our great directors. It's time to get Tom Hanks in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Denzel Washington may be our most intense actor working today. I mean, could you imagine Denzel Washington in a movie like There Will Be Blood? It would be amazing to watch. I just feel like those two would really connect. Adam Driver, who's on a quest to work with every great filmmaker, he would crush in a Paul Thomas Anderson role. I feel like Adam Driver would love to be a supporting actor in a PTA movie. Ryan Gosling, yes, we're seeing his comedic side with Barbie, but I also want to see that super intense side. You know, the guy from The Place Beyond the Pines. I would love to see Gosling in one of Anderson's movies. Anne Hathaway, I think of her as a performer who really goes for it and I feel like Anderson gets really good performances from those kind of actors. I mean you could definitely see her in like the Julianne Moore part in Magnolia. I think Anne Hathaway would absolutely kill it in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I also have Michelle Williams who in a similar way is really good at really going for it. She can also be super subtle. I feel like her and Anderson would make a really good movie. Rooney Mara who I feel like is the forgotten great actress of her generation. I mean, she's 
the person who starred in The Girl with Dragon Tattoo and Carol. I think she gives great performance after great performance. I would love to see her in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Joaquin Phoenix, possibly. I mean, who wouldn't sign up for that? And finally, Emma Stone. I feel like she would really commit to one of Anderson's films. And of course, there are actors I want him to work with again. Adam Sandler and Tom Cruise are atop the list. I mean, I would love to see them work together on one of Anderson's movies. Tom Cruise is the one who connected Sandler with Paul Thomas Anderson. Get me a PTA movie starring Tom Cruise and Adam Sandler ASAP. Let's end the podcast with this, my Mount Rushmore of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Coming in at number four, Magnolia, his most ambitious and emotional film. Number three, There Will Be Blood. Has anyone made a better movie about greed and power? I don't think so. Number two, Boogie Nights. Everything I like about Anderson is on full display. All of his mainstay actors are in it. It's far and away his most entertaining film. Number one might be a controversial pick, but I'm going with it. The Master, it's his most complicated. It has the two best performances I've seen in his films from Hoffman and Phoenix, and it's also his best-looking movie. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. I highly recommend you go back and watch the work of director and writer Paul Thomas Anderson. There will be new episodes of Pop Culture Spotlight every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you.